Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Joe Porter. In the program this week, we speak to former All Black Warwick Taylor about his memories of the late New Zealand rugby legend Jock Hobbs. We talk to All Black Aaron Cruden after the first five recommitted to the Chiefs and New Zealand rugby for another two years. We examine the future of the New Zealand franchises as the NZRU looks to a new super rugby investment model. We catch up with campus helmsman Rob Salthouse as the Team New Zealand boat prepares in Auckland ahead of Leg 5 of the Volvo Ocean Race to Brazil. And we pick the brains of the young Warriors centre Conrad Harrell as he soaks in his debut season in the club's top side. New Zealand rugby is mourning the death of former NZRU chairman and former all-black captain Jock Hobbs. Hobbs passed away on Tuesday following a lengthy battle with cancer. He was 52. Hobbs played 21 tests for the All Blacks between 1983 and 1986, four as captain. He was part of the Rebel Cavaliers tour to South Africa in 1986, a tour he later regretted making. Hobbs was in line to captain the All Blacks at the inaugural World Cup in 1987, but was forced to retire from the game with ongoing problems with concussion. He went on to play a leading role as an administrator. Hobbs is credited with keeping many All Blacks from leaving for Kerry Packer's Rebel World Rugby Corporation in 1995, and as chairman of the NZRU, played a leading role in New Zealand securing the hosting rights for the 2011 Rugby World Cup. He played his provincial rugby with Canterbury and was part of Canterbury's link the Ranfurly Shield reign in the early 1980s, playing alongside Warwick Taylor, with the pair both becoming All Blacks in 1982. Taylor told Stephen Houston that Hobbs was a truly committed player. Full on. <laughs> I used to, as a second five, I'd be taking the ball up. He'd, I was quite often tackled by Jock trying to take the ball off me before I made contact. He just, he just loved having the ball in his hands and... Uh, he was he was full on. Uh, you know, after any tour, he he was completely shattered. Um, I remember we got together with the Canterbury team one time after an All Black tour, and uh, I think it was the one to Argentina where he'd captain, and he he basically couldn't do anything for about three or four days. I think he slept most of that time. So yeah, he just was a fully committed player and uh, took that on when he finished playing rugby as well. So um, yeah, just devastating to lose such a, a fantastic um, person with rugby knowledge and, and ability. He may not necessarily be remembered as one of the most outstanding flankers, but he obviously knew the game, knew knew his own game. Oh, he, he knew how to read a game. He uh, was amazing in that, that, that part of his game. He read well, he, but he was a committed player. He was a fantastic player. I don't think people really realise how how good he was. Uh, you know, he had a lot of had a few concussions in his younger days, and um, he, you, know, you never knew that he was he'd taken such big hits because he'd just keep on going. But um, you know, there have been some some other players that have had more, you know, they've been noted more for their ability. But uh, you know, Jock was one of the, a player who who did things 
probably didn't get notice for what he did, but from the, the the boys that were playing with him, we noticed everything that he did, and uh, you know he's right up there with one of the best uh, flankers that we've had in the world. And as a captain, that obviously translated into to leading from the front. Yeah, it was. He was. Um, he took you know took that job very seriously, and. Um, he could, again, he could read a game. He knew what if something was going wrong in the middle of a game. He'd be able to change it, and um, you know that's that's fantastic from any captaincy. And uh, yeah, he he knew that from a young age. He was uh, an outstanding player um, and captain. At half time, how, how would he talk to the team? He, he doesn't strike me as the kind of person that would necessarily have, have laid down the law. No, no, he wasn't. He'd um, yeah, he'd basically work out what what we were doing wrong and ask us what you know what was happening if things were going wrong or what was happening when things were going right. So it was just uh, probably the way that uh, a number of uh, the boys from that era have coached uh, since then. You know, the Robbie Deans and Wayne Smiths of this world. Um, Jock was was the same sort of person and uh, did things for the rest of the team and didn't want to take any accolades for it. Off the field, I mean, he, he was a lawyer and his approach he seemed very measured. Yeah, but uh, like anyone, you know, he's had some some very very good times as well. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he knew how to enjoy things off the field. But he was again, you're right. He he knew he was very measured and he knew when to stop. So, uh, yeah, just a, a great a great mate, really. And uh, I'm going to be sorely missed by by all of us. Good company. Oh, great company. Yeah, very good company. And and someone you could sit down and talk to about anything. You know, it wasn't just rugby. It was other other aspects. And uh, I remember a few years ago when I was watching a a rugby game that my son was playing and you know, Jock just turned up and we were, we were having a chat about how other things were going, how our sons were going, but but also how other other things in our lives were going, families and you know, and, and family to him meant meant a lot. So um you know for Nicky and the kids it's yeah, yeah, I feel so sorry for them. He obviously did a lot for rugby. We talk about the the rugby world cup, his work stopping the, the move to the World Rugby Corporation. Yeah, that 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 was amazing. You know, that stop from the the rebel type um, that could have been that circus that could have eventuated, and uh, he he changed it. You know, he brought in the professional rugby the way it should have been for the New Zealand Rugby Union, whereas that uh, that other circus could have been the the end of uh, of the All Blacks or New Zealand rugby as we see it if it wasn't for him. And he did so much work to to keep it going. And I don't think people realised, you know, there were a few around at that time who realised what he was doing, but I don't think the rest of the country knew what he did to save the All Black, uh, the All Black name, really, at that stage. Warwick Taylor speaking to Stephen Hewson. While the survival of the Otago Rugby Football Union has hogged the headlines this week, there's been another rugby outfit whose future has also been up in the air. Whether the Chiefs Super Rugby franchise was staying in Hamilton next season looked debatable after the NZRU announced last week there had been five expressions of interest for its new super investment model and it emerged the Waikato Union wasn't among them. The union's acting CEO Paul Shattock said that they couldn't afford it and were in no position to bid for the Chiefs. Richard Wayne spoke with Shattock and some other rugby bosses about the issue, the Waikato man telling our reporter that he couldn't rule out a move away from Hamilton for the Chiefs if that's what the NZRU decided was best. I suppose it's who knows really. It's, I suppose up to the individual bidders what they would like to do and, and where they would like to hold their bases. We're not involved in the bidding process. It, it, it's difficult for us to understand. If the Chiefs did move, it would change the landscape in, uh, of rugby in Waikato quite considerably. We did have a very sizable loss last year, so we've done a huge amount of work um, reducing overheads and cutting costs by up to 30%, 
we've done a lot of work to turn that round and make sure that we really focus on what is important to Waikato Rugby and that is the community game first and foremost. Yes, we've turned around and we've made our operation a lot leaner, a lot more efficient. We're not completely out of the woods, but we've definitely turned the corner, we, we see anyway, and hopefully with the support of the Waikato public that um, they'll continue to support Waikato Rugby and the ITM Cup. The Taranaki Rugby Union was among the bidders for the new Super Rugby model and there was speculation they were after the Chiefs, though the union's chairman, Lindsay Thompson, then moved to quash the notion, signalling their bids more about keeping the flag waving for Taranaki as a future super base. The Taranaki Rugby Union has expressed uh, interest in, in Super Rugby. We obviously put in a bid in 2009 when they were looking to expand uh, Super 14 to Super 15. That franchise obviously at that time went to Melbourne, but it hasn't changed Taranaki's view that we see Super Rugby as being a prospect in the future. We uh, have submitted a bid in 2012 on the back of perhaps an expansion model of Super 15 in the future. We, at this stage, totally support the New Zealand Rugby Union's position that uh, there should be a geographical spread of franchises. Obviously there are five and they are spread across the country and Taranaki supports that. Our view is that... Um, if there was to be any change around those five, it would only be because the New Zealand Rugby Union determined that, either because a particular franchise didn't have a model which the New Zealand Rugby Union supported, then Taranaki believes we would be ready to step up in 2013. But at this stage, we're not seeing that as being likely at all, uh, and really what we're suggesting is that uh, at the end of the current broadcasting contract at the end of 2015, maybe there's a case of expanding it uh, from 2016 onwards and Taranaki would like to be considered at that time. What if the NZIU and the Waikato Union, you know, wash, not wash their hands, but what if they what if they were to say to you guys, do you want to take on the Chiefs for us? You know, what, what, I know it's hypothetical, you know, what would be your response possibly? Well, the Taranaki Rugby Union, um, we believe we have a model which works for Taranaki and one of the reasons why we weren't looking to take over the Hurricanes or the Chiefs is because we don't want to be in a sort of joint venture arrangement. The support that we have around our bid is pretty much on the basis that that franchise would be based in Taranaki. We're not looking to try and take uh, the Chiefs away from Hamilton, um, but I suppose it becomes a New Zealand Rugby Union decision if they felt that in the best interests of their own plans and how things work, they would, uh, if they look to move it. We think moving it will not necessarily get the buy-in of, of sponsors and the rugby public in New Zealand. And uh, I think hypothetically we'd need to consider our position if that option was given to us. Now, however, it's been revealed that a private expression of interest in the Chiefs from an as-yet-unknown Waikato-based consortium was one of those five original bids for the new Super Rugby franchises. And the Chiefs look like they won't be on the move. The consortium's still working to raise the capital required by the NZRU of a half million dollars in working funds and a million dollar bond. The Chiefs CEO, Gary Dawson, admits there were fears his side may have been taken away from its home base. But now it seems set to stay at Waikato Stadium. Yeah, that, that appears to be the case. You know, I can't really comment too much on it, but it, it appears that there is a consortium you know, looking to acquire the licence for the Chiefs, hopefully keeping it here in Hamilton and in the Chiefs region. It's really a matter of if that consortium does exist going through the process that the NZAU is set up. So I suppose moving the Chiefs away from their Hamilton base where they've always been and have always got a lot of support, even though perhaps in the last few years the finances haven't quite got there. But you know, it does seem like a it seems like a no brainer to to keep them in this region, and, and at least there's a bid here now that looks like that will happen. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, the Chiefs are a regional team, and so we play not only in Hamilton but um, right throughout the region, Tauranga and Pukekohe this year. But I, th- I think it's it's true to say that uh, Hamilton is where the base is. It's uh, where we've set up our training base. There's a big population here in Hamilton, and certainly within ours drive of Hamilton, there's an even larger population. And this is where the commercial base is too. So for all sorts of reasons, it makes sense that um, the Chiefs do stay in Hamilton. The new Super Rugby investment structure has been criticised for being a Clayton's privatisation, with no real power being handed over in exchange for the extra funding. The NZRU will continue to centrally contract the players in the Super squads. Dawson wants the Super franchises to be able to hold on to any profits in the good years so capital can be built up, rather than redistributing it to the member provinces, as currently occurs. That's a key thing that needs to happen is that you know, franchises do have the ability to retain any profits they make as they feel appropriate so that they do have that, that capital base either to reinvest back into the franchise or to um, obviously distribute back to shareholders who have contributed or invested in the in the team. But there are a number of other changes I think that are needed for Super Rugby and I, I would personally like to see a situation where Super Rugby is played more often in the afternoons. You know, having all our games at night, particularly as we move into the winter months, is just going to make it more and more difficult for franchises. And I would certainly like to see the NZRU and the broadcasters get together to see if we can play more games on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. There's also widespread discontent among the provincial unions over the setup of what was known as the National Provincial Championship, the NPC, and is now the ITM Cup. The Otago Union has now restructured with lower pay for players after demonstrating in the most graphic way how unsustainable it found the provincial competition. And Waikato's Paul Shattuck also wants change to that competition model. It will struggle in its current shape and form. The impact of the um, extended Super Rugby season, it can't be denied. The item cuts been pushed further and further out. And Waikato, for example, if the Chiefs play very well, then um, that actually does have a, a considerable impact and flow on through the item cup. Waikato... It's got a small base and population base and housing essentially two rugby teams is a challenge, especially for things like sponsorship and and, um, and also keeping fan base interested over such a long period of time. So personally, I think that there will need to be some change in the NPC structure at some stage, but um, when that will happen, uh, who knows? And Taranaki's Lindsay Thompson agrees that change must happen. He says it's ridiculous that provincial unions have to pay their All Blacks the maximum rate of $60,000 a year when the internationals hardly ever play in the ITM Cup. Thompson's picking a downscale of the local competition to help unions balance the books. We support the ITM Cup. It's a great competition and everybody loves it. But what we are seeing, of course, is the fact that Super Rugby has already grown to some extent And we are seeing problems in the ITM Cup space whereby unions are finding it increasingly difficult to operate. And we've seen over the last two or three years, we've seen obviously unions getting some financial support from the New Zealand Rugby Union to tide them through. And we're currently seeing problems as as is well documented in Otago. Maybe it's a case where if there was to be some expansion uh, within New Zealand and Super Rugby, there could be a case for the ITM becoming a more semi-amateur type competition rather than semi-professional. I also call it a more reimbursement type competition. I mean, at the moment, guys can still play ITM Cup and earn up to $60,000, but for some unions, that's causing the financial problems. So maybe it's a case of looking to expand Super Rugby with some form of reduction in the ITM Cup salary cap to bring it down to a point where everyone uh, is comfortably able to 
have the revenue to support that level of cost. Lindsay Thompson speaking to Richard Wayne. This is Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Joe Porter. Meanwhile, back on the field, the Chiefs have emerged as surprise Super Rugby title contenders, with Dave Rennie's men sitting second in the New Zealand Conference and fifth overall. After a tough first-up loss to New Zealand Conference leaders, the Highlanders, the Hamilton-based side, has won two on the trot, including last weekend's impressive win over pre-competition favourites, the Crusaders. What makes the Chiefs' run more remarkable is the fact they lost their two frontline props to serious injuries in their first match, taking more experience away from their already great pack. However, they received some good news ahead of this weekend's match against the Brumbies in Hamilton, with first five Aaron Cruden re-signing with the franchise for another two years, keeping the All Blacks playmaker in Chiefs colours until 2014. Cruden told Stephen Hewson their opening loss to the Highlanders stung the Chiefs into action. We were a little bit disappointed after the first week in that performance against the Highlanders, but I think the way the, the boys have responded and bounced back over these past two games has been superb, and there's a good feeling in the in the team at the moment, but we know we've got another big job to do this uh, Friday night against the Brumbies before we get a bit, bit of a rest with the bye. Beating the Crusaders, though, must be a, a big confidence boost. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, talked about in, in the sheds after the game that for a few guys it was their first win over any Crusaders side, so uh, the boys were, were really happy with, with the final result and uh, really just took a couple of days to, to let that soak in and you know, the Crusaders have been the benchmark of uh, the Super Rugby competition for, for the last few years, so to get a win over them, it's pretty superb. I know that you're obviously new to the, the, the franchise, having moved from the Hurricanes, but there's I suppose, always been a, a similarity with the two franchises in the sense of the, the inconsistency. Is that something that's been talked about ahead of the season to try and remove that? Um, I suppose it's it's there and thereabouts, but we haven't sort of brought it up as a, as a playing group. I think everyone is aware that, that that's probably the case and everyone's pretty keen to sort of rectify that and, and make sure that that doesn't happen again this season. So the boys know we've, we've gotten off to a solid start, but there's still a lot a long way to go in, in the concept or in the, in the scheme of things. Your own play at first five, do you do much work with Wayne Smith to advance your game? Yeah, I have been uh, talking weekly with, with Smithy and... You know, even all of the other coaches as well. It's I think it's good to get a different perspective out of all of them and and just see what they're thinking. And it's great to have a guy like Smithy who you know played so many games for the All Blacks and in the ten jersey and and see what what he thinks and how I'm going. What have you targeted as your, the areas you particularly want to develop this year? I mean, you're obviously your goal kicking. You, you've changed your approach a, a bit there, and it seems to be paying off. Yeah, I think just. Um, Putting a bit of time in my goal kicking has, has really helped, and it's it's great to start to see a few results coming out on the field. And you know, this season I've set myself goals of just doing my job. I think um, in the last couple of years, maybe I've been a little bit too worried about trying to do too much. And this year, I just want to look after you know my role as a five eight of directing the boys around the paddock and trust the rest of the team that that they're going to do their job. So I think that's the main thing. I'm trying to focus on and, and we're probably trying to focus on as a team as well. And this week, what's the approach you're going to take? Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a different sort of game against an Australian team that, that we know play very clever footy and you know, a lot of ruck and run type stuff. So, yeah, we, we've got to really front up in the forwards and, and set a solid foundation for the backs like they have in the last couple of weeks, which has been great. And 
we know if we can do that, then, um, yeah, we'll go a long way in hopefully getting a result for our side. Do you have to change the approach from New Zealand sides to Australian sides to South African sides? Yeah, I suppose you do, but I suppose, I, you have to change the approach whenever you play a different team, I think. So every weekend there's always different things about teams and different strengths and weaknesses that, that you reckon you can expose. Or um, So I, I guess it just changes week to week and... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is quite interesting because the dynamics of the three different countries represented in this competition, uh, the, the styles are pretty different. So, yeah, it does make it interesting and the boys are always doing homework on the computers to make sure that they're aware of different moves or different scrum or line-out things that, that oppositions might throw out on the weekend. Aaron Cruden speaking to Stephen Hewson. The Volvo Ocean Racing boats leave Auckland on Monday after a week in port fixing damage and preparing for one of the most demanding legs of the round-the-world race. Leg 5 takes the crews to Brazil through the Southern Ocean and some of the roughest seas on the planet. However, the leg is seen as the New Zealand entry campers' time to shine. The New Zealanders sit third in the overall standings behind leaders Telefonica and second-placed Group Armour, but they believe they can fight their way back into the race with victory to Brazil. Helmsman Rob Salthouse, a veteran of three round the worlds and four America's Cups, told Todd Nile League 5 is Camper's favourite league of the race. Going down into the Southern Ocean pre- presents a lot of challenges, but there's also a lot of some great sailing to be had down there. And, um, you know, the sea state that you get, the long swells, um, you're able to do some very quick miles and you get through it pretty quickly. But it can um, work your mind fairly hard with, with fatigue and, and that through just the speeds that you're doing. There's a lot of experience on the boat. There's talk about how robust the boat is. Is this the league where you're perhaps hoping to be able to cash that in a bit more than you've been able to so far? Yeah, def- definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the race so far, we've always been um, up there um, at, at various times through the legs and, uh, you know, always been pushing the boat hard. Um, and I think this will, in this league it will show through even more because others having to back off more than they um, have just simply because of the, the way their boats are set up, etc. So, um, yeah, we are looking forward to it and, you know, bring it on. <laughs> For those not familiar with the differences in the leagues, can you describe what sort of things, you know, what are the conditions like, what is different about being on this league to the others? Well, the, uh, I mean, the first league was a traditional, fairly traditional league, um, be it we had a a weather system that changed the angles. We normally do quite a bit of running in the first leg and that turned out to be a bit more reaching orientated but also quite a lot flatter water than we'd normally have. Um, Legs two, three and four have all been up into the Indian Ocean. It's all been a lot flatter um, sea conditions than you would normally get um, in the likes of this next leg. And um, So it's meant that some of the other boats have been able to potentially push the boats harder than they normally would be able to with their hull form and design that they have. We saw, you know, in leg one, when we did get a day, a day and a half of really good running, um, we clocked the fastest um, 24-hour run and um, in conditions where we had a little less breeze than the likes of Telefonica. And that was just, you know, we were able to push the boat that much harder in those conditions. So, um, you know, we look forward to this leg for those reasons. This is the real thing, this one, is it? Yeah, the real deal. This is what the race is about, really. Um, in days gone past, we've had uh, two of these legs where um, we've been off to 
um, push the boats um, but be in reasonably heavy sea conditions. And um, this is what the boat, this is what as a kid I used to look at and, and see the photos of the flyers and the ceramcos surfing down these waves. This is what I used to dream about doing when I grew up. The camper helmsman Rob Salthouse speaking to Todd Nile. The Warriors recorded their first win of the National Rugby League season last weekend in Parramatta with young centre Conrad Harrell, one of the many players to impress. The Tongan-born 20-year-old was a star in the back-to-back title-winning junior Warriors and despite still being eligible for the side, he's making a big impression in the NRL. Only in his third year of Rugby League after a background in Rugby Union, Harrell spoke to the media about his newfound love and his undeniable ability to run the ball straight. Obviously, that's, that's what the coaches want us to do, just to be ruthless and just run hard. So, yeah, when I'm in the field, all I think about is just what the coach and them was telling me, so just trying to do my best in the field and just run hard. So, yeah. I know you've got a union background. Um, is, was Lomu at all uh, an idol of yours? Oh, yeah, it was basically Lomu and Manu was my idol. I was looking up to them. I just, just like how they're, they're hard working in the field and stuff. And running it hard, like, take three people or four to take them down. So, yeah, pretty much looking up to them. So. This is only your second year in rugby league, is, is that right? Oh yeah, um, it's my second year in rugby league and I'm, and I'm loving it. Um, there's no regrets from switching for meaning to league. I reckon this game suits me better, so yeah, I'm liking it. How um, easy or difficult has it been to sort of make the move from, from rugby to league? At first it was, it was difficult because I didn't know anything about league. But when I, make, when I made the switch, it was, it was easy, but I still need to learn more about, about this game. It seems easy when, I, when I'm in the field, but like, technically I, need, I still need to learn more about defence and I take as well, so keep, keep doing what I have to do. So defence is the main thing that you have to, to the pressure? Yeah, it's pretty much defence. I um, still need to learn how like, like to make the tackle and wrestle. At the union, you don't wrestle at all, so you need to learn more about that. Was it tough to make that call from union to league? I think you're still a schoolboy, but was it just too, too, too much of a enticing? Was it the career path you could see uh, in league? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty tough. But yeah, and I talked to my parents back in Tonga, and they said um, they have faith for me. They just do what I want to do. It's not up to them. It's up to me. So um, talking to my schoolmates, almost my uncle, yeah, he's been telling me about about rugby league because he came to league um, a year before me, and he's telling me he's loving it. The, the environment is in. So I was like, oh, might as well just give it a chance. And if I won't make it, then I, I, I still have to go back to Union. So, but when I make that decision, it was, it was, I was pretty happy about it. So. Awesome. Yeah. How's, your, how's your fitness um, so far in the first two games? Oh, uh, oh the first game against Melee, when I got in 10 minutes, I was puffing hard. Like, the speed of the game is just too fast. But yeah, when, when the game goes on, I get used to the speed and yeah, but it's, it's really different. It's a different big step from um, under 20s. The, the intent of the game and the speed is just, just too hard. But, yeah. Do you think you could last 80 minutes if you had to? Oh yeah, uh, it's just up to me. I, I can last it. Um, yeah, I reckon I can last the last 80 minutes. And your strengths, do you think your strength is ball carrying? Oh yeah, I love, I love carrying the ball. This is like my favorite part of the game, just running hard. And so obviously you got a, you got that great try against um, against the Yells, but then you, you sort of got caught out a bit on your own line. What happened there? Oh, um, I didn't see the, 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 the little fella coming in. Yeah, I saw the line and I start so I get go left away from them, but I didn't know he was coming from yeah from where I was going. So yeah, I got knocked and yeah.
Pretty coming about that. Sort of blindsided you. You didn't see him. Coming. Oh yeah, I didn't see him coming. But yeah, but that's how the game is. Yeah, you need to be up, your feet up, and your face up. So, yeah. yeah. What, what can you learn from that? Oh, just need to step a little bit and just try to do the simple, simple and small stuff. Just get in, get get play the ball fast, and just play with it. Then try to get too much like bumping off and stuff. Just do the normal, the, the simple first. Yeah. That's something that Manu does very well, isn't it? Carrying the ball back from his own line. Yeah, and, and yeah. I always, I always love running after Manu because every four people like take him, they obviously they'll be tired of taking Manu, so it'll be, it'll be a good, good chance for me to get through the line. So. Yeah. What about the Bulldog centres? I mean, what do you know about them? I mean, obviously Josh Morris scored a hat trick last week. Uh, I don't know much about them. Obviously, everyone's saying that he's a good player, but he don't know much till we get into the field. So, yeah, I'm just waiting to till the game comes and we'll see from there. Like, you don't, you don't have to charge that person just from looking at him. You need to charge him in the field, like how you go against him. So, yeah, I just, just kind of know it'll be, be a good chance to, to play against those good, those good people and see how you go from there. Are you at all surprised how far you've developed, how quickly, given your, oh, this is yeah. your second um, season? My, my goal for this year is just try to get a game or two, but I was pretty pleased like how fast I made it to the team. And yeah, it's obviously how hard how, how, how work you, you put on in the prisons, so I'm pretty pleased about it. Yeah. And it look, looks like you're going to be a starter if you can keep your form up going. You know, you'll be in the, yeah. in the, in the 13 at least, yeah, or, just, the, or the 17 at least. Yeah, just need to do my thing. And I keep my fitness up and then try to do the small thing first and then go from there, develop from there. TV commentators are um, quite impressive. Have you makes me giving you a bit of a hard time? Oh, um, yeah, they, they've been telling me after the, after the game and stuff, but I just ignore the, uh, just ignore everything. It just needs to focus what I'm doing and stuff, and then yeah, just drink around with it. Conrad Harrell. And that's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radioNZ.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website, while we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Joe Porter. Bye for now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.